Welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas, and with me always is my podcast husband, Dural Jasinger. Hello, Benny Lomas. Look, I want to get straight in. I want to get our guests yep. into this because I love it. I love when our guests get to see the transition of your pre-show chat <laughs> where it's like nice and mellow, <laughs> and then you have this pump up to yourself, and then boom, we're off. And our guest, oh my God, people would have already seen the title of the show and know who it is. Please yep. welcome to Fitbit from MasterChef and Paul's Kitchen and so many other things, Paul Yo! Howdy, partners! Hello. Did you love Benny's uh, Benny's transition into radio mode? Yeah, I loved it. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. Uh, uh- well, how I do is I take a deep breath in and I forget I have a family and then off I go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of how I do it because uh, I know that we live in a very small house, po, like I said, it's a two-bedroom terrace house and with COVID and everything happening here in Melbourne, it's the studio has moved from my studio studio uh, to the lounge room to now in the laundry. And so mm. I will be able to hear whether they're sleeping or not. And then <laughs> my daughter my daughter does the intro to the show now. So like she's like, oh, you're doing your podcast tonight, Daddy. Oh, welcome back, Fitbit Pod, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Paul, you were How saying is- you don't, don't have kids of your own, but you have a couple of pups? Yeah, a couple of terriers. Yeah, they were they were made an appearance early on. So, uh, you know, who knows? They might even make a cameo uh, later today. Yes, they might. They're, um, although they're quite, um, what should I say? Nice word. They're very austere, as in they're what pain in the ass. Oh, you know. They're, yeah, they're very, hmm, I'll continue, not, not the other way around. Oh, they're like cats. Yes, a little bit. Ah. Yes. Right. Are they terrier crosses or just like would terrier cross in, in, anything in particular? They're Scotties. Oh, oh Scottish terrier. Okay, dogs. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah, cool. Okay, so they're, they're good at chasing rabbits down warrens and all that kind yeah. of jazz. Yeah, super entitled. Like, um, yeah, we'll not, we'll rarely answer to their name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, it's not nice to usually blame the parents, but I'm going to blame the parents saying just <laughs> these dogs aren't behaving because of the parents. <sighs> like if, if I, you know, on occasion when we've left the gate open, when I've left the gate open or something like that and um, ha- had a mad panic, run out to the garden, screaming, run around the block, driven around the block, and then I'll come back and just standing in the garden, like just, just quietly watching me go berserk. What do, what do you mean by going berserk? This is what we, this is what we want to know about. Like so, first of all, I guess Ben, let's get this out of the way. Um, you, uh, we weren't sure whether you two have met, and then turns out there was one particular time you have you and Paul. Mm. Yes, we, we met we met at MasterChef. Um, all our fans who listen to this podcast, that's right. I am a famous chef too, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> so famous that I'm finding out only now. Only now. Um, no, uh, the recent uh, the recent uh, series of MasterChef uh, had all the greats come back for for a big final. It was like an all star match, wasn't it? Po? Is that how it worked? It was an all star. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like all come together and then you sort of had a massive, it was cooks versus cooks, except without the original three judges, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, so they, they've moved on because of uh, circumstances and contracts. Let's leave it at that. And then, um, and, then, and then, so then I was asked to come in and work on the show. And my main thing is I'm a comedian, but I'm also a warm-up guy. And I didn't quite understand um, how it would work. But then I met uh, the, the, um, the executive producer who used to be a warm-up guy himself. He said, hey, we just want the crowd to go absolutely crazy. And that's when all of you came out. But what I, what I wanted to admit now, Poe, is I've watched, you know, sort of bits of seasons, right? And then when you all came out, I didn't know it was the best of. No one had told me it was previous oh. contestants. Oh, were so you worried that you thought you were being racist, thinking that Paul just looks like the other person who looks no, the previous po MasterChef was... contestant, Paul, and you no, thought all thought... Asians look alike? Is that what happened? <laughs> no, no, I reckon Ben thought, I'm doing a rad job here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, this is... but Poe's the only one I did recognise. That was the lucky thing, because they all came out, and they're like, oh, it's so familiar. And then you came out, and you got, you know, let's be honest, you got a bit of an extra big cheer when you came out. You had some, some fans in there. And then my job was while well, you guys had to cook because you didn't know there was going to be an audience 
I was told my brief was make them go as loud as they possibly can. So I had to like really, and then, and they went crazy. I've never seen random groups of people not only chant out your name, but then chant out the food that you were using. So like there were people using fish and people were chanting out fish. There were people chanting out the most random stuff, singing songs. Like it was, it was like a stadium. It's like we were at the Coliseum, except instead of killing lions, you were, you were just making amazing food. It must've felt pretty crazy. Oh, it did. I totally felt like Spartacus. It was like crazy. Um, and it, it was quite overwhelming, actually. And when I got when I walked first walked in, I actually got a little bit of a tear in my eye. What was the brief you got, Paul? Uh, what were you told that was about to happen? Um, we weren't told anything. We were just told, you know, that we did weren't told anything. We just so you didn't know. Yeah. The, so the audience thing part of it was a complete surprise. Yeah, that was the yes. Wow! Yes. Right! Right! Yeah. But it was absolutely boiling that day as well. So it, it was like you stinking hot and it was under like a tin shed. Like there's all these old, these old wool sheds that are, have been converted into, you know, like a cooking area. And then so the audience is pumped. And also because back in the day, you know, a lot of uh, the, the, audiences would be able to taste the food afterwards. So people were pumped. This is all before COVID. Can you imagine now doing it now? You're like, would you like to taste the meal? No, no. You stay away. You stay away with your dirty fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But that day, though, you were under a lot of pressure, though, weren't you, hmm. in that particular well, one? Well, I stupidly nominated myself and then stupidly uh, <laughs> chose to do a dish that you should probably do in about 45 minutes, but in how yeah. long? An hour or something like that? And, and what, what was it again? It was, was it pierogi? Was that what it was? No, it's a dish called colorgione, which, yeah. which I've just found out means something like Big butts. <laughs> Big butts. Did Sir Mix-a-Lot? Uh, is that his recipe? Yeah, yeah. It's Sir Mix-a-Lot. Uh, to be f- um, to be fair, I love Cologne and I cannot lie. It doesn't have a real ring to it. <laughs> so it's a Sardinian-style potato dumpling. So it's a semolina dough stuffed with a mashed potato that's had tons of pecorino, olive oil, egg, and nutmeg um, just folded through it. It's incredibly delicious. Very simple and then um, a brown butter sauce. However, what happened was... How many were you supposed to make? Well, I was just gonna make as many as I could. And I I think I would have actually been fine, but I chose not to use a uh, proper steamer. I used, I should have just boiled the potatoes actually. But what I did was I used a sieve, which just left a lot of room for, yeah, and I use a really dense potato as well. So a few mistakes there. A dense potato. See, now, as an amateur, I hear potato, and I think there's sweet potato, there's potato, and then there's chips. Those are, as far as uh, I am concerned, the breakdown of... Oh, and gnocchi. It's a type of potato. But so what do you mean, dense potato versus, like... Well, something that's like super starchy, I, I reckon... I'm not quite sure, but I am... I, I'm... I reckon it had something to do with it. it so when it's okay. super starchy, it just takes a bit longer to cook. Do you have to bit. usually with potatoes, do, do you have to soak it to try and get rid of the starch? I'm learning. No, no. no. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, That's right. That's a bit too fancy for me. I never do that. I, apparently you're supposed to do that with chips, aren't you? Oh, well, I was trying to make oven chips because I don't have an air fryer. I bought an air fryer, but then it broke in the first use. And so I returned it. I mean, it's my fault for buying one for $49 from Woolies. Uh, and so then I returned it and I just went to KFC and got some hot chips from <laughs> And uh, Which is exactly and, the same as air frying. It's, yeah, exa- it's just as healthy. It's full. You but, have full oil. <laughs> but yeah, so with, the, with, with, with that whole experience there, it, 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 the pressure situation is quite real, is it? Oh. It is, but I was kind of, I kind of loved it. It was because, you know, with everything that happens in MasterChef, I, the reason why I went on again is because I, I love the exhilaration. Like it's a very unique feeling, you know, to feel that kind of pressure and quite often be able to deliver something um, that you just didn't expect yourself to be able to deliver. 
with with that kind of panic so you get a little bit addicted to that feeling but of course it doesn't all work out (laughs) and at least at at least you know if it doesn't work out who's i mean it's not like it's a high one of the highest rating tv shows that has like (laughs) heaps of people watching you fail (laughs) yeah you can just slink out the back door no Mm -hmm. not really Yet that, that's what I was quite amazed by that because there was a period where it looked like you were under pressure that you were going to end up having uh, instead of maybe five six or seven things you were going to have three of these potato things and people were feeling it like people were feeling in the audience and I was listening to because I was you know I was talking to the people behind you I was like oh how do you reckon guys how do you, do you reckon she's going to go and then and, uh, and there was a couple who'd been going to all the master chefs and then the husband turned to the wife and goes oh you know what I reckon she's in trouble. And then the wife turned around yeah. and went, excuse me, it's Poe. She's got this, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, don't even begin to doubt her. She's got this. And then everyone, and, she, and then she started the chant, like just to, just to jeer up her husband. And then everyone's like oh, cheering. And then when you came through with the goods, I, all I could think about was like, gee, that is a lot of pressure. Like people know you. And then I was like, oh, and I was like, I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever, you know, have that pressure um, cooking. And the closest thing I could compare it to when I was thinking about it after the end of the day, I was like, when I'm trying to cook dinner and the kids are just screaming, just going, give me toast. I don't care how healthy your meal is. Just give me some fucking toast. I'm not interested in you. And you're just trying to, you're just trying to not give in and just focus on the dinner and try and deliver a healthy dinner while doing it. And then I was like, okay, but that's just two kids. You had at least 200 people behind you just going, <laughs> go, po, po, po. Yeah, go, po. That's right. That's what everyone was chanting. Go, go po. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, but I- episode title already. <laughs> go, <po. laughs> I'm quite, I think one of my talents is I'm, I'm actually quite good at shutting out. I think there's a mild, like low level autism going on there. And I'm not even joking. Like I can like really like, focus. yeah, I can, I can really just channel and block it out. So wow. yeah, I, yeah. Apparently that's one of the best ways to develop skills is being able to have that, the, 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 you know, the visual equivalent of the portrait mode in an Apple phone where it just brings the focus directly into that and blurs everything else out. And then being able to break away from it and have a more panoramic view of the world is how you increase your neuroplasticity. So maybe you have Ooh. unconsciously been developing your brain every time you focus into this particular task and then walking away and then taking it all in. Maybe. Uh, I think that, and I've seen, I've seen it, I've seen it. I've, I've been behind the producer who's next to the camera person who has asked you, so Pooh, po, what are you doing right now? Pooh, <laughs> Pooh, po, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's what they should have been chanting. Yeah, po, yeah go Pooh. To be fair, that's what I chant the day after cheat days. <laughs> go Pooh. <laughs> but it was, it was an amazing moment that the producer's like, oh, so, so Poe, what are you doing right now? And you were just in the zone that you just did not hear the question uh, or you didn't. And they're like, no, no, but what are you doing with this? And you just completely ignored it until they were like, hey, Poe, what, just what, just tell us what you're doing. You're like, okay, yeah, now, what yeah. am I doing? <laughs> all right. Because yeah, yeah. you were just in the zone, just yeah. like cooking. And all I can think about is, do you do that also at home? Like, yes, so I when do. you cook at home, are you as focused as, uh, as the show? Yeah, I think anything that I love doing, and they're the two things that I love most, um, cooking and painting. So the two mm. things I just assume that you want to talk about. Um, so painting and cooking. I've got painting much... on my list. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that later. Later. Okay, yeah. so my two loves. And with both of those, I definitely uh, go into flow state very easily. Um, so when I do, there could be like a small fire happening. I'm like, I'll deal with that later. Wow. Dog takes a giant <laughs> shit in front of me. I'll deal with that later. That's amazing. <laughs> and and is that now? I mean, is that something you you developed the ability to do? Can you? Is there a way to identify what's happening there? And is it transferable? Say for someone like me, who you know, I'm a live performer, but I'm trying to get better at writing and staying at home at the desk and being able to focus. But that's not part of my mentality. Is there anything that you do in say? a day that you have ahead for like, say you've got a MasterChef coming up. Do you have a routine that you prep yourself so that you're in the best possible chances of getting into that flow state or no, is it no, something no. just unconsciously no, it, switches on? Yeah, it's unconscious. In fact, I didn't even know I went into it until many years later when, um, there was a house fire and you just kept. Cooking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've all, all my most profound life decisions. 
have been have to me mid painting and I wasn't I was I'd been sort of contemplate like yeah maybe um, obsessing about something but then the answer will come to me clear as a bell like effortlessly and um, and I thought oh there's something to that isn't that interesting how like it's when so I think it's quite different with writing because I write as well deal and I think when you are cerebrally engaged it's harder I think it's when you're doing something that well, for me, it's something that involves my hands, where I'm free to think, but I, but I have a um, a goal. Uh huh. That is usually something to do with making something with my hands. So and like with, a tactile task. Yeah, and with painting, it's like I know I have to render this area into this shape, and so that's my that's my goal. And then meanwhile, my head's free to think, or um, it's yeah, and that's when I find I go into that. So it's like a form of meditation without really realizing it. Yeah, right. Mm. Because, I mean, meditation is just mindfulness, being able to focus on one particular thing in front of you so mm. that you quieten the noise of all the other, you know, the yeah. congestion that's in the brain. So if you're able to find that through cooking and through draw to painting, it kind of makes sense that the other life decisions, are, I mean, you know, the problem solving happens because you've quietened it down. And it has more clarity for your brain to go, well, there's so many things to figure out, but now we have this primary problem that we are giving attention to, even though you're not consciously giving attention to it. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 mm. right. So do and you I, now, do you do now execute that as like a thing going, okay, I've got this, you know, uh, I've got, a, you know, my partner's annoying me or someone, you know, <laughs> so someone's giving me the shits, I need to figure this out. And so I'm going to go paint. And when I come back, I'm most likely going to have the solution to this problem. No, it's not that simple. It's more, and the other thing is, uh, it works. It's it's better if, um, like with the painting, it has to be quite long periods of time where you have quite a lot of momentum. If you're stopping and starting, not as much. You need uh -huh. like quite long stretches of time where you can really relax into it, and several days of even better weeks or months of it, and you can yeah. I feel like when it's stopping and starting, that in itself can be really irritating because it's hard to you know, get into it when you've got lots of distractions, which I have a lot of because I'm trying to juggle lots of balls. Mm. Right. So we'll paint, paint the picture to pardon the pun. Uh, what's it like? So say you do want to, you know, if you're sitting down to paint, how mm. does that look for you? Do you, is it a, you know, you set aside, this is the week I'm going to paint. How, do, how what does it look like for you? Yeah. Usually it's because I have a, at least a few days, a stretch mm -hmm. of few days with nothing on, like literally you cannot have anything on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, because we, if I'm in a really, if if it's one of those situations where it flows really well, I can bash out a very big painting in like a week, in like seven, eight wow. days. Um, that's like a like a four footer, four to five footer. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and. So yeah, if I have a stretch like that, yeah, it, it will just, I'll just go into this very, and I don't really care what I'm wearing or eating or anything. I just kind of go into this like full Zen mode of that is like my sole task for that week. Um, and with cooking, it's not always relaxing. It's only if it's something that I'm really familiar with and often it's stuff that's very dexterous or something where I'm channeling I usually find something ancient. So making pasta, making bread, making dumplings, I go into that set because there's something about like going through the motions of it. Um, and yeah, when I'm yeah. watching my hands, there's something about it like kind of tapping into this really ancient. Um, something primal. Yeah. And also knowing like when you make a dumpling or when you make bread, like it's, I always find it quite amazing to think with bread, when you give humans grain, right, they will always grind it down. They will always make bread. It's just like part of our, you know, yeah. it's intrinsic. Um, and so with dumplings, I always look at like a dumpling and think, that is crazy. That shape has been like this for eons, like literally. And yeah. even when I make, even when I make a pastry sometimes, because I've got recipes that I've inherited from friends. Um, I've got this beautiful country pate recipe that I, um, because <laughs> I do Sorry, know you speak I, French. I, I think you, you, you do. I, 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 I know that both of you speak very, very um, 
very fluent French, and I, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That I mean, Amper, but I mean, I'm watching and, uh, the Tour de France every day, so I'm pretty much fluent. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do notice that. Um, so, um, yeah, I've inherited these recipes that are like centuries old, and I'm like, this is so nuts. I'm like this migrant Chinese person living in Australia, and I get to have hold this recipe that's just like travelled through time, and I now have it in my hands, still making it the same as it was a hundred years ago, or very close to anyway. So yeah. there's something about usually old recipes that take me to that place where I'm very deeply contemplative and, um, yeah, I think of the recipe like a time traveller that's in my hands. So, But if I'm just, like, smashing out a steak, like, not so much. <laughs> You're taking mindfulness to, like, the next level. That's incredible. <laughs> but it's funny you say that, Poe. The only time I've genuinely ever felt that was in France, visiting family, where the it was my partner's, um, uh, her uncle, uh, and then it, like he remarried and she had this particular tart recipe that they'd been making since she goes, it's been passed down through generations, generations. And we were staying in this tiny little village. And then when she put it on the table, um, all I could think about was like, wow, how many people have sat at this table and how many people have eaten this tart? Like, and I was like, and I was like, I had the same conversations happen around this same tart that has now been made a hundred years later. And, and then I was laughing because my uncle was complaining that we didn't have enough beer. And I was like, they probably had that conversation too. Like I was like just having that yeah, same yeah. complaints and same conversation. And I, but I've never felt that. I've never felt that with Australian food. I've only ever felt that with European food. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think. Uh, yeah, it's usually co- with cultures that have got a very, um, a, yeah, yeah, a, a, a culture that's very proud of their culinary heritage. Because how old? I don't know how how old have dumplings been around for. Like I, I actually don't know the answer to that. I well, know. I had I'm one not... last week, which I think was about 100 years old. <laughs> it was, uh, I shouldn't have, <laughs> I shouldn't have gone to that food court. They shouldn't even be open back then. I was going to say, did it come from under a bain-marie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it will be that. thousands and thousands, isn't it? Yeah, it would be, for sure. Yeah. Mm. That is, you know what? You've really genuinely, like, changed my perspective on how I might approach eating in the future. Like, I've been trying to work on being present with the food because, Mm. um, you know, I, I, I used to, you know, watch TV or, you know, have, like, a phone in front of me as I'm eating and really not conscious. But since, since of maybe now three weeks now, I've banned myself from doing anything other than focusing on the food and something that I learned that apparently, you know, how we react to the food that's about to go into us, there's potential how it actually affects us biologically because they did this test where they, they gave some patients um, saline, you know, salt water basically, and said to them that it was uh, chemo. And even though it was just salt water, 30% of the patients started getting nauseous and were throwing up. And uh, sorry, 60% started getting nauseous and throwing up, but 30% even had hair loss because the brain had convinced them that it was chemo. So the extrapolation of that is that if we look at our food and think of it as this is going to nourish the fuck out of me, Mm. as opposed to, ugh, I can't believe I'm dieting. Ugh, I can't believe I'm eating this shit, you know? But you focus on the nutrition that's about to go into fueling your body there is potential for it to actually be absorbed that way much better rather than, you know, just sort of resenting the fact that, say, for someone like me who's, you know, on and off diets, rather than resenting going, oh, this is not a cheat day and oh, I'm eating, you know, salad or something, just going, oh, my God, I can't believe how fueled up my body is going to be after I eat this. So I've been training myself to kind of get used to that. But you talking about dumpling has just now fired me up to make sure I even do that on my binge days where I'm eating like, you know, I don't know, a Korean fried chicken, but just thinking about, you know, how much has gone through this, the cultural, you know, the cultural heritage of a Big Mac, you know, for example, just that, just, just being present with it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I actually have some advice for you on that front. Um, Please. I, um, yeah, because I've actually done, um, they've done studies on, oh, sorry, I have to go get my dog. Get him. <laughs> We knew they were gonna. They, we knew they were gonna make an appearance. We can continue. We continue talking about where the hell you got that pseudoscience from. Hair falling out. It's not pseudoscience. It's actually a test done. It was. It's a. It's an effect called nocebo. It's the uh, flip side. Their of hair placebo. actually fell out. Their hair actually fell out. Would Would you want me to 
submit <laughs> the research, is it? I would, I would appear well, people, and view it. Pe- people, people can uh, Google it themselves. It's called a nocebo effect as opposed to placebo. No, I, know placebo what a pl- is, I know what a placebo effect is. But this is, is the, the f- difference to it. Placebo versus nocebo. Nocebo is telling something is negative and then having the negative reaction as opposed to placebo, which is saying something's positive. And even though it's a sugar pill, it has the positive reaction. But I'm just blown away that their hair fell out. Yeah, it is. That's the remarkable part that, about that's it. That's the mind-blowing thing. But I was like, yeah, you can drink some water and you're like, it's out. It's gone. I've got chemo. So yeah. um, I wanted to... Right. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, with... Um, yeah, so they were doing studies on ki- uh, on on obese, obese kids and they said that there was this definite um, issue with when you sat kids on a beanbag in front of TV and you gave them knackers, they would just eat mindlessly and they would eat way more than they actually needed or wanted to. Because yeah. their brain was switched off. They're not really eating for enjoyment. They're just eating because it's in front of them and they're distracted and whatever. And, of course, there's all the addiction factors of salt and sugar. Um, so um, I would highly recommend, I think it's great that you've, you've started cooking quite a bit because um, it's all about the ritual. And I think um, if we had more ritual, if we had preserved more of that ritual, that comes with food and it is harder when you're living alone um it it just helps you to formalize what you're doing and get your brain kind of ready to appreciate and um all the all the elements you know like the cutlery the plate the um the um, yeah, just have a bit more mindfulness to it. Mm-hmm. And I think cooking is a really great thing for you. And and uh, for me, gardening and um, growing my own foods really added to that as well. Oh, wow. Because wow. when you see how hard it is to grow, like a carrot that doesn't look like crap, that's not like that's good. That's <laughs> like about that big and it's like all knotted and is like, you know, super woody and you know when you realize how much effort it takes you just have so much more respect for it um but also like it's really interesting i feel like um because in australia we don't have um a cultural cuisine per se uh and i see chops on the barbie mate (laughs) yeah yeah like when you go to europe yeah it's interesting like going to france because my bestie is french and we went to the particular first thing I do is I grab the milk and I just started scarfing it down like a pig and she's like please don't do that and I was like what <laughs> she's like don't walk and eat we don't we don't do that and I was like what as I've got like shattered like a whole piece of parfait through all over my chest um yeah. and she's like yeah we don't do that we just like we we walk home with it we have a cup of coffee and it's all very dignified and so like we don't have those kinds of rituals enough in Australia I don't think like we just like everything's just like right we're quite Americanized in that way and even when you what one thing I noticed when I was in Paris whenever the weather was good the parks would be absolutely packed yes it is like you know high density living and that's part of it but even at lunchtime no one ever sits at their desks and eats their lunch They'll go out and their idea of fast food is going to the boulangerie and then to the cheese shop and then to the um, to a deli and they'll select a cheese and they'll select a meat and they'll say there's just still thought process through that instead of just going, I'll just take, you know, five B or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and and then they put to, they'll actually put their sandwich together on a park bench. You'll always see like three paper wrappers and even just the whole thing of like service like I, I it just blew my mind I remember I walked into a cheese shop I was just standing like a total weirdo just like perving on this guy buying his cheese because the- <laughs> that, that yes. took it I mean mindfulness is one thing Paul but no, because like when you watch them the the guy that was serving the cheese the the, the cheese shop person was like oh well, will you will you be eating that tonight or tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening or and it's like the cheese is picked to such perfection in terms of its oh. ripeness to be eaten at its optimum point there's just so much appreciation for the artisanal effort and also then how you eat it you know so i just really buzzed out on that and it really made me think so much about how little of that we have in australia so at home that's 
that's what I kind of try and do. Yeah. And it's not about fancy food at all. It's about just really, yeah, having that ritual. And another friend of mine who used to live in Paris said there used to be this um, Apple guy and uh, every fortnight. Steve Jobs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, Every fortnight there was a market that came to their neighborhood and there would be queues and queues, like uh, sorry, a huge queue that went around the block for this guy that sold apples and he would do the same thing. So you'd be like, okay, I would like an apple for every day of the week and he would package every apple for its perfect ripeness and right. Uh-huh. Like there's something quite beautiful about someone who just loves their the, the, their craft and their – so there's just all that, you know, the, the, that respect. So, um, and yeah. it goes through generations. I think that's, I think that's what I – I, I totally love that because my mum grew up in Utrecht and it used to be the same cheese market every time in Holland. And I remember going there as a kid and what I just found so amazing is you go to the cheese farmer and it was the same little boy at 14. My mum is now in 60s. It's the same guy who's just taken over the... Uh, yes. Taken over the pharmacy. Remembers my mum's name. Go, hey, Khamaria, you know, And then, which I, this is the first time I realised, is when you're trying to pick out cheese, they have the car scarf and then they just give you pieces of cheese while you're shopping. So you're eating cheese while you're picking out cheese. And then you're just going, oh, what is this? Oh, is this the, you know, is the old cheese or the young cheese? And you've got the taste. So even though you're tasting it and you're talking about it, by the end, I reckon you buy um, three times the amount of cheese yeah. you actually need because you're smelling it, you're <clears> engaging <throat> with the history, you, you, you're eating the whole way. And the whole process, the whole ritual is that by the time you leave, you are so happy. The only thing I was thinking about while you were talking, in Australia, the ritual might be in the country where they do it around livestock or, or seasonal fruit and veg where you're like, what do we have? You know, we've slaughtered a cow, half of it's in the freezer. I guess we're having fresh sausages tonight. That's the only, but in the city, I just don't know if we you, have that ritual yet. You should ask our mate Harley Breen and uh, his brother talks about eggs, specifically about eggs and the, how to find the best quality eggs. It, the passion that goes into describing mm. a single <laughs> egg is incredible. Yeah. And I, it's I, I, uh, well, something that you were saying. That, well, first of all, uh, I want to uh, tell people this, Paul, because we met last year. Uh, we were doing some work together. And yeah. I think I I revealed to you that I hadn't cooked in two years. And I may have melted yeah. your brain in that moment. And <laughs> no, then, you didn't and really. Then, and then since then, though, since I, uh, we've chatted a couple of weeks ago and I was telling you about how after lockdown, I decided, you know what, let me try and use this extra time to learn. And I've, I've been, I've, I was telling you about some of the mishaps and, uh, you know, but I'm getting there. I even posted about meal prepping uh, uh, the other day, Ben, uh, you would have seen on the mm. Instagram and people are really, uh, I think, liking the fact that they saw the transition for me. So I definitely am at that point now where I am starting to look at those things that having an appreciation for, you know, uh, to mix and match, for example, like, you know, and also like, like I told you, Paul, uh, I tried to make, you know, healthy curry using Greek yogurt. Uh, but instead of waiting till the end to mix it together, I put it, you know, in the cooking process and it just curdled and broke up into pieces. <laughs> it will still so, taste nice. It's just texturally, it looks a bit, you know, not oh, as- it looks, I mean, it looks like what it's made, curry looks like the day after, but it just, <laughs> but, um, Something you were going to say about the but the being being present and mindful with the food and stuff. It's it's it, it's so interesting that you know we we especially in Australia like when we're talking about you know scoffing and stuff. And by the way, like I, I should reveal this, Ben. You know, there's that Basque cheesecake that I'm obsessed with from Marion mm-hmm. on Gertrude Street. Uh, last cheat day, when I got it and I was walking home, I was about to eat it in the park, and I realized that uh, they didn't give me a fork. Now most people would have Inter- waited till they got home. That's not, I'm not most people. I have two fingers that just nicely squeak no, out I, I would and, and, and through under the mask as well. Don't forget. Like I got to swap, I got to shove it down my throat under a mask. Oh. Suppose you, didn't, I didn't, you didn't use the mask as a scoop. <laughs> you know, you know just like use the box as a mask. Yeah. 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 Like a horse. Like what is those things? So we were talking about, you know, fans of yours and how, uh, you know, fanatical they can be. Oh, then sure. I guess for you and I, we, the equivalent is if we meet people who know we're comedians, they're like, oh, come on, tell us a joke or some shit like that. Yeah. What's, what, what, what's the usual cliches that you cop, Po? If you're at a restaurant, do people try and make references to MasterChef? And did you cook this one, Po? 
No, it's not usually restaurants. It's when I get on a plane. They oh. love, they love like, oh, here's what I prepared earlier. Oh, sorry. Um, they get really apologetic <laughs> about the meal or can you come back here to help us with this one or, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> that is such, that is your classic, uh, your classic flight attendant who thinks they're funny. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got this one in the bag. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Line it up. And you're like, heard it again, heard it again. But do you have people stop you in the street and tell you that they've used your recipes or that they, they, you know, like, I'm always curious about that. Like the idea that people are using your recipes or using your inspiration in the kitchen. Like, have you, have, have you had encountered that? Yeah, yeah, I have. It's really lovely. Um, I really, um, I love that because that's what I see my calling as. I don't see my calling as a chef. It's more a home cook, teaching home cooks, mm. to be better home cooks. That's what I see my calling as. Because um, I think what I love to do is break down complex uh, processes and make them accessible um, yep. for people yeah. because people overcomplicate things. Like I will often actually break a recipe down to the point where it is broken. <laughs> and then I go, okay, I took it too far. Cause I love, um, I love doing things unorthodoxly. So, um, if, uh, like I, I've got a French, um, pastry chef friend who, when he makes a Genoise sponge, right, this is what he does. Separates the eggs. He make, um, whips sugar in with the egg yolks, um, cooks it over a double boiler to make it into like a zabayon, and then mm. whisks the egg whites with sugar as well. And then they combine those two together and then fold the flour in. I just chuck the whole eggs, sugar, whip in the it thermomix. Triple, triple <laughs> the, the, um, the volume, original volume, and then fold the flour in. And, it's, and, and I remember showing it to him and he would just look at it with such disdain. I'm like, look, it's the same juice. And he goes, no, yeah. no. <laughs> You're like the Tim Ferriss of cooking. You're just finding the quick way to get to the yeah, yeah, yeah. final result with always. minimum effort. Yeah, yeah. And- I always go minimal effort. But I never substitute on traditional like um, flavors or anything like that. I'm very respectful of that kind of thing. Do you have yeah. an example of one of your, you know, let's call it a hack or a quick fix or a quick, like the, the simplest solution to the best result that mm. people have given you most amount of feedback on going, Oh my God, what you've, you know, you said about this is just been a game changer for my cooking. Um, probably rough, uh, rough puff pastry. Cause puff pastry is usually <clears throat> you make a water and flour dough and then you have sheets of butter that you then layer and keep rolling out and what you call laminating. So you keep rolling uh-huh. it out, folding over, rolling it out, folding until you get like layers and layers and layers. Which is what is you that have the with machine a... at the bakery that goes back and forth yes. underneath those rollers? Yep, yeah, cool. My yeah, my yeah. daughter's obsessed with that at the bakery. We just yeah. watch it go back and forth. I, I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah. Then I then I get into the flow about getting really hungry. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the pastry. Yeah, yeah. Roller. Um. So the a croissant is exactly the same thing, except you have eleven dough. So it's got yeast in it, and which makes mm. it um like bread. But with puff, it's just flour and water. And so I do this method where um, I just blitz the whole lot in a food processor until you just get small bits of butter and then you just do the same process, but it literally takes like, takes no time. I can make this. Yeah. A friend sent me a French pastry cookbook uh, for during lockdown with a bag of flowers, a very sweet um, care pack. And I got a panic attack just looking at the contents page. Uh, and because it was just so complicated, even I thought, you know, brioche, I'm like, surely brioche couldn't be that hard, but no, there's all kinds of glazing and all kinds of shit. I'm like, you know what? This book can go back to charity. Cause I don't think I'm going to cook <laughs> even one thing from it, <laughs> but Paul with your stuff though. So just, I guess, I mean, usually we save the plugs at the end, but uh, so what are the things that you've got out there that can help our listeners if they want to seek out some of your stuff? Mm. You got it in book form. You got it on YouTube clips. What's what's your jam? Um, I'm, I don't have that much YouTube. Well, that I have with you know, um, like with endorsements, I've done some things, but I've actually not put out that much um, stuff personally. But I'm about to. I'm gonna start. Ah. I'm about to start doing IGTV because for me, it's not so much recipes I'm interested in. I'm I'm interested in teaching people skills. Because once you know how to make a puff pastry, you can do a billion things with it, 
right? Okay. And <clears throat> once you learn how to make a mirror pot and start a stew base, you know how to make um, any so beautiful many. stew. So it's just teaching people the fundamentals of genres of food in a way and then getting them to riff on it themselves. So giving them that, that um, liberating them from recent that empowerment. To yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. So like um, my next book, I really want to include a few of those types of things, which is like uh, any recipe. So any stir fry, which is, you know, let's just say the Holy Trinity of stir fries, which is uh, ginger, garlic and spring onions. And then Shao uh, is fine. And then you might go down the condiment aisle and buy like three weird condiments, like not weird, but slightly unconventional, yeah. like chili yeah. bean paste or um, yeah, just go down and have a peruse, you know, and find some stuff that will basically substitute soy or oyster sauce, stuff that's got a little bit more funk to it, that's fermented or, and just play around with it. And then you can just swap in any protein, any vegetables and play around. So trying to get people just to have a bit of adventure and not be afraid to like, um, get things wrong because that's how you learn. Like, you know, you think about life, all the things that you learn the most from are when you stuff it up, right? Not when you have successes. Because every time I, I have a lot of um, first time of success with recipes and whenever you do that, all you do is just get cocky and the next time you cook it and you stuff it up, you have no idea what you actually did right the first time. Whereas when you do mm. it wrongly, you'd have to reverse engineer it and figure out was it this, was it that. So it's all about just, yeah, getting in getting in it, getting it. And, I, and as you said, maybe like falling in love with the process of it, you know, that, that part of that failure, trial and error is part of it. Like, you know, even with stand-up comedy, Ben, you'd agree that the first few you years know that. is a lot of, lot of, I mean, first time you're trying material, like when you're writing a new show, it's a lot of trial and error before it becomes palatable for most audiences. I mean, I still met audiences even at the peak of my shows <laughs> where didn't agree that this was palatable, but, but in that... Felix physically ill. <laughs> yeah, in the early stages, that hair started falling out. It was that bad that um, they. Um, but I, I had the initial. Initially, though, it's so fifty-fifty. Sometimes you know, really, and you, you know, if you're not a fan of the fact that this is part of the process, it is so painful to push through that pain period because you're yes. like, why am I trying? Why am I trying anything new? Because I already have material that works. Why am I pushing myself? This sucks. I'm looking at a crowd who's looking at me going, you've wasted 10 minutes of our life. Why did you do that to us? You know, And it's really a thing about learning to love the process. And I think my problem with cooking for years, at least, you know, was that because I was shit, the effort and results so it was like the the learning curve was was tough for me because i would you know a ingredients for one person is really challenging you know trying to find every every recipe is for like minimum four people so yeah. if i'm trying to quarter it all of a sudden i'm trying to find what a quarter serving of a thyme leaf is and i'm just like was chopping that up and trying to sprinkle it, and then turns out the consistency is all wrong and then by the end, you're eating something that's shit, that doesn't taste good. Yeah. And you have, you know, you still have leftovers. So you put it in the freezer for whom I don't fucking know, because I'm not going to be eating it. I know it tastes like crap. And then it just sits there taking up gelato space. So I end up chucking it in the bin anyway. So I just went, you know what? Yeah. Why am I struggling? Let me just outsource this to the local economy who can do it better and quicker. And I don't have a cleanup. But now that I have time, I've learned to love that you know, the fuck ups. And now I've given myself that freedom to, you know, have a recipe, but then go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to throw in, you know, Greek yogurt and see whether that can substitute coconut milk and then realize, oh, maybe I need to put it at the end and, you mm. know, playing around with that. sort yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. Because most of the time things don't taste terrible. It just maybe texturally or something that's off and you can, you can yeah. see right away what you've done. Um, the other thing is, a lot of recipes are written quite badly as well. That's the other problem. And also um, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't engage. Like um, it's interesting, like um, when people get me to write recipes, I get really frustrated when they really pressure me to put down times. I mean, times are an okay indicator, but it's better to give people visual and like sensory cues. So like, you know, when it's brown and crispy around the edges, but still um, has a bit of give or because you're forcing people to really engage with the process. And that's where the learning happens. If you go oh. put it in the pan for 10 minutes, what kind of pan? Like a nonstick pan, a, um, a real pan and a steel pan. pan. They all give different results, right? So like a, a Teflon surface will never, will not, won't conduct heat as well. So you, 
by the time it's brown, the meat the meat's already overcooked, right? Because it takes so long for that Maillard reaction to happen. Um, on is that right? So Teflon is not ideal for 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 meat cooking. No, it's good for fish because fish sticks. Um, yeah. um, but for meat cooking, I always use a, a stainless steel because it it will just char it really beautifully and quickly. And um, it heats up. Yeah, really I, quickly, I, I do a cast iron. Uh, for perfect. steaks. Oh, perfect. That's even better. And also the quality of heat. So if you've got gas, you've got induction, you've got all these different things that all will will give a different result. So there's, I know. So there's so many, so, so many variables so that people don't talk about. And like for me, I'm always about that. I'm always like, well, it depends what you're using. So if you're making a custard, I would recommend using a nonstick because you know it, it won't, you know, burn as easily, or so that kind of thing. And like when you look at old cookbooks, the art of um, cookbook writing was so different back then. Like there'll be, they'll, it's quite expressive and quite um, emotive. Like you, you know, they'll be, they'll say something like, um, uh, "Cook, fry this until your dick gets hard." <laughs> Is that yes. what you mean? Yes, like fry that. This before, fry this before the soldiers take down your wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, be, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, but it basically just forces you to engage as opposed to just going, oh, it's five. Because I used to get people writing into me at the ABC, oh, excuse me, you told me to put that in the pan for five minutes on high heat and it was burnt to cinder. And I was like, and you watched it burn to cinder. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, my mum tried to coach me up. She makes this thing called paradas, which is like she actually used to make it and sell it. And she was so good at it that people would, you know, buy them, heat, uh, freeze them in Sri Lanka and then put them in their suitcases, take them to England and yeah. then serve it at dinner parties saying that they made it. Like that's how good she was. So I thought, again, lockdown, what a nice activity for mother and son. I had her on WhatsApp video and she was coaching me. And wow, I'm so, I was so grateful for meditation because I was so close to snapping because... <laughs> Uh, uh, because she would ask things, Paul, as you just said. She'd say things like, "Does it need? Does it look like it needs more flour?" And I'm like, "I don't know what that means, mother. <laughs> like, I don't know uh, what more flour. Like, what is it meant to look like? I can see yeah. some fluffy white stuff there. Is that enough flour? I don't know. It was brutal. I am very much like. Uh, she's like, so and pour a pour a bit of water. I'm like, okay, what's a bit? Is a bit like half a cup? Is yeah. a bit an eighth of a cup? Just yeah. give me the facts. And she's like, I don't know, just like, just, and then she just starts doing the action of like she's bowling for Sri Lanka, just like flipping her wrists. I'm like, all right, this parada is, you know what? It came out all right in the end, but it was pretty dry. There was all these cracks in it, but I'm like, good, good first attempt. So the next yeah. time when I do eventually see her, I think I will stand next to her and then mm. make it with her and then learn that. But isn't that a beautiful ritual? Isn't that like, like even the ritual of just teaching? You, like I'm trying to teach my kids how to cook. And even then, it doesn't matter what age your mum is teaching you how to cook one of your favourite dishes. Like I, I love that ritual alone. Rather of whatever the recipe is, it's the ritual of cook. Like my mum taught me at 16. I was like, I was like, why? And she's like, we're having our cooking lesson. I was like, I want to go to bed. I don't want to do this. And she goes, trust me, if you learn how to cook, it'll save you money and you'll get laid at uni. And I was like, now I'm <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Here we go. I'm paying attention to how long the pasta stays in there. Talk to me some more. <laughs> yeah. But it's, that, it's that handing down of knowledge via verbal, you know. It's, yeah. That's a really cool thing. That's like a lost thing. Um, but um, like teaching, yeah. teaching my son how to chop at the moment has been, he's, mm -hmm. he's just about to turn four and we're using a big knife. And just even though, like, it, it took me till I was 20 to realize that putting your finger on the knife and pushing down, it, you're not going to last. It's going to hurt. You're going to slip. But then just, just teaching the motions. And we know it's a long game, but now he's getting the hang of it. And he was cooking, like he was chopping mushrooms just before. And he was so happy with himself. Yeah. Like, now, now I can cook. I can cook. And I was like, well, you've got a fair way to go. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. can chop. you can chop. Yeah, so good. That's so good. So I just, I, yeah. You don't realize how much stuff like that is self-esteem building as well, you know, like just a little, yeah. a right. little act like that. It's that's, that's registering in his head as I'm capable, you know, it's a really cool but, thing. You were um, talking about carrots. Like my daughter pulled out a carrot out of our garden today and I realized, like, I, I didn't realize how small they were. Like I genuinely didn't realize how garden because mm. all the ones in the supermarket are mm. this long. Yeah, you, normal carrots are tiny. They're tiny. No, they're, they're, it's they're the same feeling there. I get after I watch you porn. <laughs> like, oh god, this is not what real life looks like. Um, sorry, boy, you were going to say something about off yeah. the back of my cooking with mum. 
Oh, I was just going to say that sounds exactly like me in my early, in my 20s and early 30s, um, trying to cook for mum because we've been so um, like westernized, like whereas like cultural cooking is all by watching, you know, at home, mm. just observing and understanding and tasting. Whereas I was the same. So mum, that's why I learned to cook so late in life. Um, so there's, there's, there's still hope, Bill. <laughs> Are you a late bloom? Are you a late bloom? I didn't know yeah. this part about you. Yeah, oh, I, I was on MasterChef when I was 35, the first one. I'm 35. Yeah. So before ah. that, I only knew like a handful of cultural dishes and I, I was a good baker. Uh, I just knew a few basics with baking, but a lot of stuff um, was really interesting. A lot of the cultural stuff that I made on MasterChef, because it was the first season, so, you know, no one trained or, you know, did any of that. Um, yeah. I cooked from palate memory. So I'd be like, I think, I feel like this works, but I'm not. I don't know why. I just feel like this might work. Right. Yeah. Amazing. So there was a lot of that going on. Like and I, intuition, yeah. Um, you know, sorry, quickly, sad, right? Uh, complete diversion. But remember, we were talking about process and people getting obsessed with the the, the you know their apples or whatever it is. Uh, have you uh, have you guys seen the documentary? Or I think it's Netflix. It's called uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Uh, no, it's, I've heard of it. Uh, no, I got, um, I did get a part copy that was completely in Japanese. So I couldn't watch it. I needed the subtitles. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch it because it is. I'm going to add that to my It list. is phenomenal. He's a, is a, you know, kind of an asshole in my opinion. Uh, he's yeah. not a great dad, but he is so obsessed. Like he will only buy rice. Like I think something there's something like if you're in a, if you want to be his apprentice, the first couple of years he only lets you cook the rice. Like that's all you know, wash the rice or something like that. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's he's true. obsessed with with uh, with specialization, and he'll only buy a particular fish from this particular guy and a type of rice from that particular person it's amazing I, I love that doc and the only problem i don't watch it again is because it's making me really crave sushi i mm. really really want to have it straight away so maybe what i'll do is just actually get a whole bunch of sushi and watch it while watching which wouldn't be very mindful but, uh, <laughs> i think we need to talk a little bit ben a little bit about health and fitness uh just to keep in theme with the podcast now ben you, well, i guess we got there in terms of your you know you saying you're 47 and you look like you haven't really changed since master chef first season um do you have a any kind of approach that what are you is... using on your skin what are you using no 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 it's called being chinese i think that's what it is um uh, do you have uh, anything in terms of diet and exercise do you have any rituals around those things um actually i'm appalling and i used to i i'm i used to do ballet when i was a kid till like but that was like many years ago till i was about end of high school and then I've been terrible since then but I tend to eat very intuitively so if I have had heavy meals um, I will just eat salads or vegetarian for a few days not not because I'm, I'm trying to be good but that's just what my body craves ah. so, and I've always loved vegetables since I was really little I've never been a big meat eater but I do enjoy meat I'm not at all um, against it um but being asian it's always you know like a chicken breast would feed a whole family in a stir fry because you bulk it up yeah. with vegetables and stuff so that's how i've always eaten um i do probably eat too many carbs i'm a bit of a carb monster um but i have started to exercise just because age it, it definitely the metabolism is just not the same anymore so <laughs> i just do very gentle exercise but i do a lot of i'm very active all the time i never mm -hmm. hardly ever sit down so i'm up quite early i do heaps of gardening that's one of my um right. mental space kind of uh real zen zones for me um because i think when you hands do you recommend any summer crops yeah we're about to plant do any, oh any... summer um i would yeah. go uh, definitely tommy's uh tons of tommy's because you just can make sauce with it if you know you yeah. have butt. um cucumbers um eggplants uh basil all the basils parsley um i love herbs herbs are good yeah. Because when all do, else fails, do you mix them around? Do you just go free for all, or do you have segments in the garden? Okay, I've got beds. I've got organized beds. I've got eight raised beds. Um, 
And yeah, my garden is quite functional, but there's a lot of beauty as well. So I've got a lot of plants because I've got bees. So um, I plant, yep. I've got a lot of color and flowers for the bees. And don't go too wild planting things where you're not sure whether you'll use it because it's probably fun for the first season, but I find I just go back to those in the end. It's just yeah. stuff that, I'm, that I know how to use. The amount of effort um, for a capsicum was ridiculous. Oh my God. I've given up on those as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's so much work for something this big. And yeah, like, and they're always like slightly not right on the bottom or because there's not enough calcium in the soil. And they're really peppery and you pretend you're enjoying it, but you're not. Not, yeah. <laughs> um, radishes are a really good one to grow if you enjoy them. Yeah. And they pop up like right away. They're really good. Like um, They're very like satisfying because they it just takes weeks. Um, but I'm really not a rose person anymore. I started off like that, but what I like to do is let things self-seed. So I let things bolt. So when they feel like finishing and I just let them go completely ugly because the next year, all this awesome stuff happens in the garden where all this stuff pops yeah, up wow. unexpectedly and they found their home. So they always, it's always a really strong plant that grows from self-seeding. I love that they found their home. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. And, and and like you said, that's quite that's quite a lot of physical activity. Like I know when I plant the garden beds or I'm in the garden, I'm pretty knackered afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like doing a lot of um, like pruning of all the all the are getting quite mature now, and I've learned how to control them and shape them and prune them. So that's quite gets quite physical as well. And so there's a hauling of dirt and stuff like that. So I keep quite physical like that. And in the kitchen, in the kitchen, it's really physical. Because when you're whisking like 10 kilos of custard, that's quite a lot of hard yakka. <laughs> 10 <laughs> kilos whisking of custard? Whisking yeah. Us. Yes. Oh, wow. Serious. It's, you, like, you... it's like a, a, it's, there's a lot of hauling. And, yeah. Wow. I love that. Instead we, of uh... ice cream arms, whisking arms. Love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Never skip whisking the day. Um, they... Um... Uh, we need to start wrapping yeah. up, yeah. but uh, yeah, to, to take us out, uh, what are the, first of all, two questions, what are the uh, things that you love to indulge in, in terms of your, like, uh, you know, your naughty treats that you love to smash, uh, you know, if you want to really feel like a binge. Uh, and secondly, uh, you uh, told me about, a, uh, you're in the markets every Sunday. I am, sorry, my little dog's going berserk. Can I just grab him? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him on. Yeah, bring him on. Oh, I will, I will. Tim. This is Tim. Oh, hello, Tim. Oh, look at that legend. <laughs> oh, wow. How does how does Tim see? That's Tim, and I'll grab I'll grab I'll grab um Rhino because he's hilarious. Tim, Tim and Ryan. Rhino. This is like a Nova breakfast show. If you, if you just pick up the same dog, and just like it's just, it's just exactly this. Here we go. This is the rhinoceros. <laughs> oh, right. Well, look at that. So That's sweet. incredible. That he's so huge. Oh, is he just yeah. really close to the camera? No, he's got a giant head look. But also, I haven't cut them in a traditional way. I just let them go a bit hairy McClary so they don't look quite as posh as they usually do. Hairy no. McClary. Oh, the book I've read so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so many times. <laughs> so many times. Um, so what were the you markets. again? On market. Mar yeah. yeah, so I'm there every And Sunday. indulgences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do love my favorite pastry is a milfoy so french vanilla slice it's also my signature dish so yeah, puff right. pastry um grand manier flavored custard that's it how do you I spell like... that m-i-l-l-e-s m-i-l-l-e-f-e-u-l-l-s-e-v-v it's Somebody else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's Because I want to Google that and I'm going to have a crack at it and then send you a pic. Yes, I was going to say, I'm, yeah. I, I was going to issue a challenge before I left for you to yeah. make a French dinner slice. I'm going to give you my recipe, okay? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll absolutely have a crap. <laughs> a crap, crap. I'll have a crack. And uh, you know what? I might even do it Instagram live, Ben, on the, uh, uh, this for is fun. listeners to watch. Maybe we watch can it. do it. Own... What do we do at our MasterChef? We'll do a Patreon bonus or something of us trying to cook this uh, pause recipe. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right. Yes, please, Paul. That'd be wonderful. That would, that would be, be great. So fun. And then how, how, how do we get you to taste it and then walk around and have all these camera shots and then <laughs> do recaps and then recap of the shot if you're about to taste it and what your thoughts about tasting it before oh, you were tasting it. Don't give away the secrets, Ben. Come on. Don't, don't kill the magic. 
Um, so milf for the food yeah, is yeah. your favorite no, no, no. one. It is my favorite, but because I make it so much less so, I only eat the pastries that my business partner Sarah makes. Okay. She only eats mine. So one of my my current favorite favorite of hers is just this really simple um, macadamia and apricot crumble. It's a really nanny nana kind of crumble. I love. We do a lot of nana stuff. It's all very like, you know, crumbles. Um, Easiest dessert to make at home. It's the best. The best. It's like a slice crumble, slice crumble. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, nice yeah. one, nice one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the markets. Markets. Um, so every Sunday. Every Sunday markets. We do beautiful pies, um, and pastry. Yeah. What what's do. your What's your big uh, front uh, front runner? Front what runner. Moves the most? Uh, pastry, probably. Do you know when I first came out of MasterChef, I sold 200 of the Millie Phillies. I call them Millie Phillies because yeah. uh, you like this. For for a while, I couldn't sell them and I had a feeling it's because Aussies didn't want to pronounce Millie So I was like, how about a Millie yeah. Phillies? And then people started Yeah. Like, That's pretty funny. That makes sense. They're too embarrassed I, to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> so I sold 200 of those at like at a few couple of weekends. That's so that's many. wild. How nuts That's why that? you're doing ten kilos of custard. You don't need to diet if you're cooking that much custard. I know. You know, that you is just... a lot. That's it. Oh, that's yeah. And then and then if you're making that many and they're that popular, then you got to you know you got to scale it up, people. Yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 no. You don't you don't go grow too quickly. Remember that right, restaurant right, you right. and I you and I uh, ate at in Sydney, Ben, where the guy was kept telling us that this has been a family operation for twelve years, and they keep people keep trying to buy them and saying that oh, you know yeah, let's go bigger. True. He's like, no, no, I I do. He was like, I do the whisking of the tiramisu every day. It's my grandma's recipe. Yeah, I don't want to sell nice. this to anyone. I'd rather go go down. Like he and he'd say like. You know, people come in and say, oh, can I get that sauce with the fettuccine? He's like, no, we serve it only with the fettuccine. If you don't like it, you can go to the restaurant that's down the road. <laughs> I loved Love it. Love yeah, that. yeah, 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 that. yeah. Keep it small. I'm keeping it small. Because we, we had a cafe a little while ago. Um, and I realized that what me and Sarah love about Jamfave is that it plays in very much into that European tradition of, just doing things how we want to do it and it's very personal and you know I, we wrap everything in wax paper so there's a lot of that kind of old world feels about it yeah um yeah uh, so it's all about keeping it small yeah knowing, knowing your limits as well because there's my yeah. favorite favorite cake places here in melbourne called beatrix uh cakes and it's you know and the, you only know they don't like the only know you know what's on is when you check their instagram like these are the cakes we have and if you have to order a cake you've got to order in a week in advance because they'll only make a certain amount of cakes yeah a day yep, that's, and that's, that's like, how we that's are how now yeah that's how we are now as well it just makes it more special it's like it's a very european kind of a yep. mentality and also seasonal you know like over there yeah you can only buy in the shops what's in season it's not like here where everything's just like open slather God, I can't believe after this part, I can't believe how excited I am to plant my veggie garden. Thank you. I, oh, I can't believe how excited I am for this vanilla slice. Like, I'm, so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that. So Saturday is my cheat day, and that's the day that I, uh, you know, usually have no rules for diet. So I, I reckon this Saturday, keep an eye out. Uh, I'm excited nice. about this. Oh, Ben, snow peas as well. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, good. I mean, that's a great snack for kids. Like, yeah, oh, the crunch. Um, if you can find a place that sells pea straw that still has the peas attached, it, you will have a field of it. Seriously. I never actually buy it. I just um, get the pea I've straw. I've heard about it, it. Yeah, it just pops up everywhere, and it's like, and the kids that's love it because you, you have tip. to harvest every day. Wow, the spectrums all the way from the start to all the way to vanilla slice. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we stuff. went through mindful uh, art therapy to appreciating cultural food to vanilla slices and bloody cheesecake. Ah, yeah. I am, you know what? I'm kind of sad that it's late in the night and it's not a cheat day because I'm really hungry now. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm gonna eat anyway because I have no self control throughout our <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining us and sharing yeah, thanks, all of bro. that. Is there anything in particular you would like our listeners to go check out? Anything that you want to plug? Um, no, I just come to the farmer's market. I'm there every Sunday. Um, and in Adelaide? Yeah, in Adelaide. 
but I've got um, yeah, I've got lots of little things going on. I'm yeah. I'm, and what's your Instagram uh, social media? Oh stuff yeah, that yeah, people can find yeah. You on. Instagram. So it's just Poling Yao. Uh, and uh, Ben, we've got uh, Patreon.com/slash/FitBetPod uh, yes. for anyone who wants to donate. Uh, well, donate, subscribe, I guess. And uh, the most recent uh, bonus episode with Ben Knight got a lot of great feedback. A lot uh, of were, great feedback. Um, there was a friend of ours who was in hotel quarantine, uh, Poe, and we recorded oh. an episode while he was in on day eleven, I think it was. So it, it got it got very emotional. I know I particularly had tears at one point. Uh, so it was yes. a it was a special episode. So I encourage I encourage those who haven't subscribed yet. Uh, make sure you get it because that's the only way you're going to get uh, quality content like that. Uh, but otherwise, I'm Dilruk J on Instagram and my stand-up special Bundle of Joy is on Amazon Prime. Benny? Uh, I'm at uh, Ben Lomas Comic and you can see me at the playgrounds anywhere in Melbourne because they're open <laughs> and life is finally joyous again because we yes! can go to playgrounds because Beautiful. it has been a long two months. So, <laughs> Also in your laundry. Uh, in my and in the laundry. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank Thanks, you, Tim bye. and Ryan as well. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Fantastic to speak to you guys. Thank you so much. For All right. Me. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks, bye. guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.